0: You're listening to Action Line. I am your host, Jordan Lewis, and joining me today is Vice President of the School Board, Emil, and I don't think I actually got how to pronounce your last name.
1: My last name is usually the first name that people don't know how to pronounce, but it's Mackie.
0: Mackie, okay. Yep. Well, see, that's because I hung out with the Irish, so I've seen Emil before. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. No, that's great.
0: But so, obviously, you're the Vice President of the School Board, mm-hmm. so obviously, I'm sure there's a lot of things going on, but I know the big thing right now would be the budget. Yep. So what can you talk to me about in on that front, anyway?
1: You know, it's really simple. When I was running for the school board, I basically kept trying to educate uh, members of the public that didn't already know that we don't raise any of our own money. We're dependent upon the state and who's constitutionally required to fund public education in this state and then also gifts from um, uh, the um, the assembly for for local giving. Um, except for the required uh, giving that they do also. But that basically, we, we don't get to pass our own taxes. It's just whatever the state and the assembly can't, gives us. The assembly has been giving to the cap the maximum that we can do um, um, ever since I was elected on the board. So that's not the problem. The problem has been the uh, the state of Alaska has flat-funded us I get frustrated when I hear since 2016. That's not exactly correct. It's really substantively since 2006. We have not had a substantive raise. Um, I don't count a $50 raise of BSA that's uh, over $5,000, and that's less than a one-tenth of one percent increase to the BSA as as anything substantive to give credit for. Um, But um, So I consider us to be basically flat-funded since 2006. Um, But I've been trying to educate people that the BSA both – that flat funding has basically – it doesn't only inadequately fund at the state level that they're required to give, but it also ties our hands because it establishes a cap from which the Assembly cannot fund us any further. So we're locked into this permanent – maximum funding where the only choice we have is to cut programs cut programs cut programs and uh, that's where we're at right now and there's a lot
0: of hard decisions to make it certainly sounds like especially i mean if your base student allocation hasn't gone up you know for well over a decade that becomes a lot more difficult thinking about what do we keep and then what do we have to you know remove until we can get a budget situation figured out
1: yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the the population here, um, all through Alaska, is highly transient. And if you're in the lower 48, it's usually locally funded, not state funded. So a lot of people believe the school board, you know, is doing something wrong. Well, no, we're not. We're doing exactly what we can do, which is make cuts. Um, it's up to the assembly, or sorry, not up to the assembly, it's up to the... To the, um, to the state of Alaska to fund it as they're constitutionally required and required under Kassouli and more, and I can go on down the Supreme Court cases.
0: Okay. And then I guess maybe it seems mildly mean to think of like, but like, what are some of the programs that have been cut previously or have been going, like, what are the things that have been cut in order to meet those sort of budget requirements, or would you not know too much on that front?
1: You know, to be honest, it's kind of a black hole at this point because we've cut – some of it's just lost to my memory. But some things that I look at that I see the cuts every single day are things like our maintenance cuts because our maintenance cuts are connected to our snow and ice removal. Um, I, I see um, raising PTR um, because we're not able to fill – uh, the same number of positions to teachers um, that, that we once were. Um, we're cutting, we've cut assistant, uh, or sorry, we've cut uh, a lot of assistant um, programs. We've cut out almost every administrative staff to the point where we're under-administrated. Um, poor Cassie, um, up in the administration building, is the budget manager. She's also coordinating a a, um, a, a bargaining um collective bargaining agreement. She tries to take care of uh, facilities. It's just, it's a mess right now. And so um, we've basically been cut to the bone and now we're trying to cut through the bone um, and it's going to hurt.
0: It certainly sounds like it. I mean, I know as long as I can remember, even beyond just, you know like most schools have had issues with retaining faculty and other staff has that been a long this have been a long-term issue is that more of a recent occurrence
1: it's a recent crisis developed by 50 years of people um irresponsibly telling people that educators don't know what they're doing are useless and that uh, the the um that educators are not needed And so, as a result, for 50 years we've been seeing declining enrollment in education programs Um, um, at the college level. So we don't have enough trained teachers in the nation, not just Alaska. Um, Coinciding with that is the fact that the flat funding has created a a situation where the state of Arkansas right now is looking at a a minimum salary of their teachers at $50,000. And here in Alaska, um, our average starting teacher is around 43, I believe is what I heard. How are we going to attract people that have a cheaper Standard of living in Oklahoma, Texas, Oregon, um, Idaho. How are we going to attract those teachers that we need to succeed to Alaska if we are promising lower pay, worse benefits in the form of a um, of a retirement system that um, that does not have a guaranteed um, pension and um, and lower pay? A new teacher has. And we've already cost shifted the cost of education in the form of student loans to those to those very students we're trying to recruit. They're trying to eat, and we're not providing them what they need in order to attract them to Alaska. And we're not educating enough here, and never have. So we're in a catastrophe on that front on a state level, and Juneau is not excluded from that um, from the effects of that.
0: Yeah, I think the I think the term I always heard. Well, going through schools, it was a, it was it was like a brain drain. You had everyone, you'd have faculty and teachers who'd come in. They'd find they weren't supported, they'd leave, and then that would transfer onto their students. And then their students are like, "Well, if my educators don't feel like it's worth being here, then why should I feel like it's worth being here?" You mm-hmm. know what I mean?
1: No, that's true. And then you know, we've gotten around it in Juneau, Anchorage, and um, Fairbanks by basically recruiting the best that we could out of Bush, Alaska well bush alaska is now basically not able to fill their positions so our recruitment pool is dried up pretty dry and um and i'm not quite sure where where we're going to get these people um unless we have a bsa that allows us at the school district level to pay teachers enough to recruit and and retain them and um Uh, in addition to all the other ongoing expenses that education has. Buildings do not get any cheaper, and 80% of our budget is buildings. So it doesn't matter if you close a building or open a building. That building still needs to have its roof maintained. It still needs to have the foundations uh, maintained, the paint. That's the problem, and it's pennies on the dollar on the savings. Now, I'm not saying there's not a need to do that possibly in the future, but... um, The notion that you're going to save a lot of money doing that, it's not. We have a responsibility. It is a civil right in the United States to have a public education. And um, whether by hook or crook, um, it's going to have to be fixed. Or else the courts eventually, like they have in Casuli, Molly Hooch, Moore, and I can go on and on and on, um, it'll be fixed that way. But adequate educational funding is a national issue right now, and we, we just haven't had the suit filed yet.
0: Gotcha. I mean, it, hearing that makes me think about, you know, you have a lot of these sorts of organizations that function you know, on the national level. They're all about trying to, you know, make sure that we have people to educate students because education has been shown that it can be a great sort of equalizer later on in life. And so to hear that we're having those kinds of problems with having faculty or being able to make sure that things are funded, it's it's certainly disheartening to hear.
1: Yeah, it is. And, and we've got another drag in education in Alaska. And frankly, this is something we can blame ourselves for to an extent. Okay? And that is um, that here in Alaska, we've been so blessed with so many different resources, especially the oil pipeline and the boom that brought to support industries, but also commercial fishing, that... We haven't had a need to be highly educated in order to compete. Our resources kept us afloat um, just based upon the magnitude of those resources and the well-paying jobs that were associated with those um, for Alaskans. And, frankly, the North Slope jobs are getting fewer and fewer and fewer. And that's going to continue. We're not going to pump our way out of it. Um, and as we've seen now with the crashes around um, Crab and, and other um, uh, industries, um, we're not going to see as many people that can work four months a year and make a year's worth of income. Um, education is going to become more important here because not even the oil companies are going to want to hire and train somebody forever. Uh, they're going to want to hire people that have that education coming out of a vocational school, and, um, and we have to
0: respond to that need. All right. We're going to be taking a quick break here, and then when we come back, we'll be continuing our conversation. Welcome back to Action Line. I'm your host, Jordan Lewis, joined by Emil Mackey. Now, we were talking about the increased need for for education, especially, you know, kind of like getting vocational type of training, especially, you know, you think about jobs up on the slope. Mm-hmm. So did you want to continue where we kind of dropped that at? No.
1: I mean, we have um, – well, let's just – Let's just take this. So, for example, this state was basically built on diesel technology, okay? It's going to continue to be on diesel technology, but the diesel technology, uh, the the kind of people we need to train for that for the future are not diesel mechanics. They're diesel and electronic, um, uh, like, hybrid technology, because even those are going to become more complicated in order to um, be cost-effective in the jobs that they do, Um I think that um, auto mechanics, you're no longer going to be able to do just purely internal combustion. Um, it's rapidly changing. You're going to have to know how to do hybrid and pure electrical, even in that field. Um, we're leaving behind basic millwrights, and you're going to have to know process technology so that not only can you do mill writing, but you can also be replugged in other places within um, the process chain in order to react uh, or be an asset to your employer in that way. Um, boats, boats are probably going to be moving to hybrid technology. Norway, I think, is shifting to purely and and is, if they're not already pure electrical on their ferry systems and uh, and and some a lot of their local barge traffic. Um, so anyway, these are just things that we're behind on uh, as a nation that, frankly, reality is going to make us change into. One of the things that I think is really kind of nationwide kind of a problem isn't that we don't have – that we have an unemployment problem. It's not really an unemployment problem. We have a lot of highly educated people that don't have the right education, and we have a lot of undereducated people that don't have access to get the right education. We have to fix that as a nation because if we don't, the other nations are going to absolutely leave us behind. But here locally, I see that as really something at the local level we need to be talking about as well. But this is me personally talking, of course.
0: And that's that's definitely understandable. I mean, are there any other large changes you'd like to see happen?
1: Yeah, I, here's some things attainable that I would personally like to see. I, th- I would like to see us um, implement a... Um, Um, figure out a way to get an ROTC, preferably Coast Guard, Navy, or Air Force. I think that would complement a larger CTE effort, of which I think we need to rebuild CTE and really beef that up here. Um, But um, ROTC is not just about military drill and color guards. Um, it also does a lot of career discovery, and for kids that leave um, high school, it actually gives them an option not to go out and hold a rifle, but actually to, hey, I didn't even know these fields existed, go and become in the armed services like an aircraft mechanic, and then come back to Juneau and employ that skill. Um, post-secondary education is not limited to colleges. It's vocational schools, it's training programs, it's the military, it's much broader. But we're such a small economy here. Having a program like ROTC where students can have a, uh, an opportunity both within the program as well as once they leave the institution to go and do more career discovery because they understand more things exist, I think is a critical thing. And that's just one small uh, low-hanging fruit because my understanding is if the school provides the facilities, basically the ROTC is paid for by the federal government, and it would be nice to have those resources brought in that don't count against the cap, where we could increase our effectiveness in delivering those, those educational opportunities.
0: You know, I could definitely see that. I mean, for me, you know, growing up within the Anchorage School District, that was always a big thing. You always had ROTC pretty much in mm-hmm. every school. I mean, with my, with my high school especially, it was right next to the military base. It would be weird for us not to have the ROTC right there. And so it definitely I would agree in that it provides opportunities beyond just you know going straight into the military, but it shows a lot of kids the options that are available to them with that right kind of training and with that right kind of background
1: and the three branches that I talked about Coast Guard, Navy, and Air Force, I think those really kind of speak to really kind of the economic opportunities and focus and culture of this um, of this region because those are. That's that's really what we're looking for are people that have those kinds of expertise once they re uh, once they come back to the um, the civilian market.
0: Gotcha. Now I also understand that these you're under a superintendent search. What can you tell me about that?
1: Yeah, so uh, th- we're still kind of in the early phases, but basically we're going to be hiring a new superintendent. Um, uh, Dr. Weiss submitted her. Um, her resignation so this is going to be her last school year here um but she is still in the job and and hopefully will be here through the search and um but we're hoping to have um, we're going to be starting interviews up um, here pretty quickly we will be sending out a lot of public notices to parents staff um, um, other shareholder groups within the community so really just everybody needs to just really just kinda of pay attention, realize there is a superintendent search. And if there's certain things that you want to ask the, the candidates once we have them here, um certainly participate in that. But in the short term we're already putting out um um, surveys asking what are some qualities you'd like to see in a superintendent so look for those emails and give that feedback because that's going to be very very important in shaping the questions and the criteria from which the search firm is going to try to to identify those candidates and bring them to us and, and even possibly whittle the pool down although that's still kind of uh, emerging
0: gotcha now this is something i've kind of do pretty standard with most sort of interviews or shows that I've done, but what are, is there anything that you feel like you really want to talk about or you feel like that people should know about that I haven't asked because I'm, I'm human, I'm fallible, I can forget things. Wow, you want me to riff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you wanted to, I wouldn't advise it, but...
1: Oh, no. Um, you know what? I'm going to back up for a second, and earlier I was pretty hard on the legislature, I want to actually kind of give a get-out-of-jail-free card just to the legislator, legislators that are up there because they're actually talking about serious reform. And our local legislators here have been great partners in education. They're not the problem. It's the ones that, A, live outside Juneau um, um, or southeast for the large part. But also, B, it's not the ones that are in there now. It's really predecessors. And the, the majority of the people in the legislature now are just a thin sliver of they inherited more of the mess than they created this mess. And so they're out there and they're talking and they're trying to fix something that is a legacy that was placed on their lap. And I feel bad for them. Um, and so, you know, I don't want to make it look like it's a hopeless problem because it's not my hope is is that especially since Anchorage and Fairbanks are feeling the pain every bit as much and probably more than Juneau is that that is going to snap reality into the face of a lot of people that previously were in denial but but willing to listen into the side of this is a problem that has to be fixed and uh, and I'm hopeful and uh, but you know we have to get first a vote to pass a BSA increase, then it has to go to the governor. And then if it gets vetoed by the governor, there has to be enough that can override that veto. And so there's a lot there to hope for and every little bit helps. But frankly, you know, I've seen I've seen numbers of a 1, thousand thirteen hundred just to just to get where we need to be in Anchorage and Fairbanks. So they're they're aware there's a problem. And that's that's the biggest thing. The um, Anything else that I want to riff on is, is secondary because it's BSA, BSA, and BSA. Um, could there be larger reforms in the future? Yes, but the key word there is the future. For this budget cycle, we're not going to get any major reforms. Um, if we want to talk about that, let's start talking about that after we get the, the BSA
0: and the short-term passed. Definitely. They always say the first step to... Working on a problem is acknowledging that the problem exists in the first place. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so to even be in a position to start working on it, you have to be like, it's there. We may not be able to fix it now, but having that preparedness and being in a situation where we can be like, here's what we got to fix going forward, even if we can't fix it now, is a big step. Yeah. And... You know,
1: you asked, all, since I'm riffing, I'll tell you one other thing that I, I, I wish. I wish we had a call-in phone line. I know it could become a circus potentially, but honestly, I would like to hear actually some of the public's questions and concerns. And if we if if y'all can do that in the future, I think that would actually be something that, especially when we get to this stage, might be something we can do for a caller or two and actually um, uh, make this a stronger um, participatory experience. Gosh.
0: Gotcha. Well hey, I want to thank you for coming in. I very much appreciate being able to talk to you and learn what's going on over at the school board. I'm always
1: welcome to come, um, as are all of the school board members. Which if I can close with one thing, we are an extremely lucky community. We don't have anybody dysfunctional on this board. We have a lot of different opinions. Um, I'm on a lot of losing ends of votes, okay? But that's okay because I'm okay losing a vote when I know that even if I disagree with what somebody else has has advanced, that they've done it for the right reasons and in the best interest of the kids, even if I don't like it. And that's very unusual, not just in Alaska but the United States in general. And so – I've got a lot of faith that whatever happens, it's going to be the best possible solution for kids.
0: All right. Thank you. And this has been Action Line.